It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Batter Listeners, welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 76 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. And we are also joined this week by a very special guest. We have Disha Thosar on. Hello, Disha. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, Disha, for those of you who don't know her, most of you probably do, but for those of you who don't, Disha is the Mets beat reporter for the New York Daily News. She previously covered the Red Sox, Yankees, and Mets for MLB.com, and she has her BA in journalism from Penn State, and we're very excited to have her on. Um, So, Disha, for our listeners who don't know you, um, tell them a little bit more about you. Like, What made you gravitate toward journalism as a career path, and what made you want to cover baseball? Sure. Um, So I I kind of grew up watching baseball with my dad and my brother most nights. And I remember as early as like four years old, I started asking them really annoying questions is my brother's like four years older than me. So he knew all of it by then. Um, But once I realized, you know, these questions were kind of like annoying them as I was doing a good job by like asking what a walk is, what a strikeout is and like super basic four-year-old stuff. Um, That was basically when I was like, oh, I want to keep doing this. Um, so I realized I was good at questioning then. And then I always loved reading and writing. Um, but I wanted to just kind of do the beat as long as I can remember. Um, cause once I asked, you know, 
how, how do people do this for a living? Like everyone that I saw on TV, just kind of standing by guys, locker rooms and things like that was like, Oh wow. They, they get to do this every day of their lives. Um, so as soon as I went to college, basically at Penn state, I took journalism classes there, um, did some broadcast classes and was lucky enough to land an interview with Bill Hill of MLB.com. And he offered me, um, an internship covering the Red Sox. Um, and that was David Ortiz's retirement year. So it was definitely like, a getting my feet underneath me did not have even time for that in 2016, but it was a good start into the industry for sure. Who did you root for growing up? I actually had a split household. So it was Mets and Yankees. Um, my brother, I think there's something really healthy about growing up with that. Kind yeah. of conflict. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My brother and my dad were, were more Yankees. And then I had a grandpa and an uncle that were Mets and we saw them all the time. So, um, as as early as I can remember, I just I saw both. And Daryl Strawberry is my favorite for the reason that he played for both. Um, and guys like David Cohn. So it's funny that it ended up happening that way. Yeah, we are. Uh, I am a split household as well, so I can relate to that. But I mean, I, I, I feel like it's my childhood was overwhelmingly Mets because my dad's the biggest baseball fan in my family. and He's a Mets fan. So that's why I'm a Mets fan. But right. my mom is from the Bronx. And so her entire side of the family are all Yankees fans. Oh, and even my dad's side of the family, which is the bigger side, um, has a Yankees like branch in it. Like I have one aunt and uncle who are Yankees <laughs> fans on that side, too. So they're they're the black sheep in a lot of ways, but it's no <laughs> but wonder it's you're funny. a geneticist with all of this, you know, variety. <laughs> so yeah, true. gonna gonna study the genetics of fandom. <laughs> <laughs> and I am I am a Mets only household, but I live in like the border of Washington Heights and Inwoods, so I am oh. surrounded on all sides by extremely intense Yankee fandom. So you know, osmosis that comes in. You've gotten a taste of it, too. I'm a split household, but my mom's from Philly, so we were Mets in Phillies. Wow. Yeah, my poor mom was kind of outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Disha, this has been a whirlwind offseason for the Mets. Um, they got the new owner and immediately like traded for one of the biggest stars of the game. And then there have also been, on like the less positive side, uh, a number of recent stories detailing sexual harassment involving um, ex-GM Jared Porter and ex-manager Mickey Calloway. Um, and you wrote an incredible personal column in the aftermath of Porter's firing. Um, what has it been like for you as a woman in the industry covering the team, watching all of this happening? Uh, do you think this is going to be kind of a reckoning moment for baseball? Um, yeah, so it's, it definitely hasn't been easy basically since, um, January 19th. I don't think I'll ever even get the date kind of erased out of my mind. And then February 1st was, um, when the Mickey story dropped. Um, it's just been tough to kind of even come to terms with that. I could have been talking to Porter who, you know, seemingly would have been great for my male colleagues and then would have been horrible for me. And just reflecting on um, how often those differences even happen now um, is kind of what rocked me, at least over the last three months and brought really, really ugly, like trauma things to light. And the only way I could even cope with it um, was by writing that column. I mean, as soon as I went know the Porter News came out super late on like a, a Monday um, and it was like 11 p.m. But as soon as I read it, I was like, wow, I cannot go to sleep tonight. And I just started kind of jotting down things that I was thinking, going in the column, stayed up basically 
the whole night writing that piece. And I worked on it in the morning with my editor for a few hours and then it went live at like 10. So that whole, I mean, that whole 24 hours was just really emotional for me. And like I said, it brought up a lot of things that I think women have to deal with and the realization of that it's not going away anytime soon. So um, not even to be cynical about it in that way, because I'm definitely a glass um, half full person, but just in the sense that there are so many changes that need to happen that are not going to happen overnight. And it's really nice that, you know, it's being brought up to light now and people are just now recognizing how tough it can be um, for women in this industry and not even industry. Like I think Sandy nailed it on the head when he said, you know, this is um, something that happens in, in society as a whole, um, even though I think he may have meant it as more of a deflection, but he had a point that this, that, that column, I think resonated with, with everyone. I remember my mom, like sending it to some of her, her coworkers that have nothing to do with baseball or sports. So, um, I think it just, it shows a lot of, of how much work still has to be done, but, um, I guess it's the, the very beginning baby steps of a, of a reckoning. <laughs> Yeah, I think that like even even women who aren't in sports, I think every every woman who's been in a male dominated industry or not even necessarily a male dominated industry, just like yep. been in any sort of industry has like <laughs> experienced some level of what is described. Um, and it's it's hard not to, you know, especially for someone like you, like these are your colleagues that are experiencing this. And it's like hard. It's really hard to see the details come out and realize like, you know, this is this could have easily been me or like I've experienced things like this, things adjacent to this. And people like we're just trying to do our jobs you know yeah, <laughs> exactly. shouldn't have to deal with this every day yeah exactly I think you know that's the the onus is kind of on women now especially to um talk about it and to to fix it and you know just move the needle but really it's not going to move until you know more of our male colleagues say or do something or step up at least so um, until that happens, I think that that can be a, a major step. And I think it can be as simple as male male colleagues calling each other out. Um, uh, when that happens, I think I would be super impressed and surprised. But until then, it's kind of, you know, in, in this baby steps moment. Yeah. Well, like you oh, said, sorry, that, uh, yeah, it was a deflection by Sandy. What did you make of his press conferences? Yeah, I think it's, I think there's a lot of nuance um, to be had about what Sandy has done over the last few months. And starting with, you know, his first press conference, the day that they fired Porter, he didn't have to do that. And I mean, ever since there are very few people that have even stepped up and taken questions like that. And just to be, you know, brutally honest and being open to the fact that he might get dragged and he did get dragged um, for some of the things he said. So I think it was in many ways brave of him to just simply do what not even other um, well GM in his, not in his case, but people in his position in front offices aren't doing that enough. And in that sense, props to him, credit to him. Um, and in other ways, like I said, I think a lot of it was, you know, band-aids and deflections and we're going to improve the vetting process, but we're not going to exactly tell you how, um, you know, and, and things like that. I think they have to be way, way, way more transparent and way more honest um, if they really mean it. And I get that, you know, it's only been however many months. So in my opinion, it's not always the time to kind of step on his neck with these details, but um, in due time, right? So that's what, you know, we have, the season is long enough to kind of save the bullets in that sense. Um, so I think he's still very much on the clock for 
for making changes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And what was your reaction to him saying? Because the thing that stuck out to me um, was uh, when he said when he talked recently about how he he uh, in the improved vetting process, they are going to ask women like within the organization about hires. And I was I, I don't know, my reaction to that was kind of like two sides of the two sides of the coin. Like on one hand, I was like, OK, like they're clearly they've clearly taken this to heart and they're thinking about these things and that's good. But on the other hand, it's like it's not these women's job to just like you know, do this for you without any extra compensation whatsoever outside of their like normal job duties. So yeah, yeah. that was interesting to me. Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree with you on that and that, you know, it's very apparent that that they're thinking about it. And this is something that's on their mind when they make a new hire. So in that sense, that's what, you know, we wanted all along, um, depending on who he asks, I think, Maybe now is not the time to press him again on it, but hopefully he just, you know, will have a better sense. Um, but a lot of that is just placing hope in kind of a blind place um, if he's not, like I said, going to be transparent about it. So um, I asked him in that press conference, like, who who are these women that you're even going to be talking to? And he said sometimes it could be a third party, sometimes it could be in the organization, um, and I understand he has to respect, you know, their privacy as well. So there's only as far as he could go, but it seemed like more of his, you know, let's just put a block on this for now and, and, you know, get back to it at a later time. And I think he comes, it's just, he's, he has a lot on his plate. And I know that from even talking to um, everyone in the front office is just, they're impressed with the energy that he even has for someone who's 74 um, or about to turn 74. So I think in that sense, he's maybe doing the best he can and it, that's obviously not good enough um but it's also you know he's he didn't ask for to be placed in this role it's almost like he needs to hire someone to handle it you know if he can't do it himself yeah, and that seems sure. kind of typical for how they handle a situation like this i mean you know we've seen other teams deal with kind of fallout from i mean i'm just gonna like crudely refer to it as PR scandals <laughs> and it doesn't you know I, I think about like um oh that absolute rat bastard's name is escaping my mind uh Brandon Taubman <laughs> the, the, the oh, Astros right. guy and, and it, it mean it felt when when the other team's GMs were talking about these situations it sort of sounds to a far outsider like myself that they're all kind of in the same general category of being sort of trying to dodge responsibility and just give assurances without specificities oh 100 um, it's yeah. it's a really an mlb wide thing in your experience yeah and i think it's also a male thing i think you know he it, if the mets are dodging responsibility and that's the perception it's because in a way that's the case they don't really want to explain um their actions for things that have happened in the past and even i mean compared to how the indians are handling it i think the mets look really good um and you know tito saying this isn't the time to talk about it is the exact opposite of what he yeah. should be doing um so in that sense you know it's the Mets are doing something different. And I think, 
definitely the perception of it, of dodging responsibility and things like that is, is a problem. No, no doubt. But I think if they are at least think, thinking about it and changing their ways and the vetting process, like they said, they are. And to the extent of, you know, talking about it with other people in the front office, I, I believe them in that way. So um, I think that's definitely what matters to them and, and what should matter overall, um, it, except to the perception, which I think they have to handle by having, you know, a, a better PR staff. Um, and, you know, some of that can just be fixed by by a better by a better communication. Yeah. And it's also worth pointing out once again, we're going to we're going to beat this drum every week. Sorry, everyone. But Mickey <laughs> Calloway still has a job. Yep. It is March 15th yep. <laughs> as we record this. Just reminding everyone, you know, I mean, there's an investigation. It is supposedly ongoing. We will see what happens, although additional details of Mickey Calloway's conduct have come out since the initial athletic story and still no word on how the MLB investigation is going as far as we know as far as you know Disha is there no word on that uh yeah the the last I've heard the investigation is going I've heard it's taken this long because they're being super respectful to the people that were involved in the story and the women that stepped up um and obviously the flip side of that that bothers me is that he is still employed and paid, like you said, while while they take their time. So um, it, it all kind of comes down to Mickey denying any wrongdoing. And that's why this is even happening in the first place. But um, for the Angels, the, the story itself should be enough. And I think at this point, they're they're just fearing some sort of, you know, lawsuit from Mickey's end, which is just completely ridiculous. Um, because I think as he should know, and now that the world knows, is that the more investigating they do, the more the more crap keeps popping up, like the second follow up to the athletic story. So um, really, the Angels should have nothing to fear if they should just, you know, want to to move on um, from this from this smear on their organization. Yeah. And no one um, ever sends dick pics once. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like, oh man, the, the one time I did it. that, the one time, darn. And then, gosh. and then gets a nickname, Dick yeah. Picnic, from the one time. Yeah, <laughs> that one, well, it's singular, Dick Pick. So. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As Steve Cohen would say, anyway, back to the Mets. <laughs> Had to get that dig in on Steve Cohen's Twitter. Um, <laughs> since you started covering the Team D show, what has been like sort of your favorite moment on the beat? Is there like a particular story you're really proud of or had a really fun time writing? Is there a particular player you like really like talking to? Is there a particular 
moment you remember? Like, what sticks out during your tenure on the Mets beat so far for you? Um, yeah, well, speaking of Mickey, <laughs> um, the, the story that I'm definitely most proud of just for all of the kind of aspects and the situation that went into it was um, when he really, like, tore one out um, at, at Tim Keeley in the Cubs clubhouse in 2019. And um, just for the reason of simply, like, it was a slow day. There was no story besides them just continuing to suck in the month of June. And then, you know, Mickey yells at, at Tim and I'm standing two feet away from him when all of this happens. And I mean, within him yelling at him and then like five minutes later, we're like as a beat running up the stairs to the press box to make calls, to write the story. So I'm proud of the way that story came out, but I'm also proud of the way of the effort that went into it because it was my first time kind of doing something on the fly like that. Um, but to get away from a not as depressing topic, um, one of the, one of the more fun stories I think that I've done was after in 2019 also, uh, this was their first, right before their home opener, they were going back from Miami and they were super, super delayed. Like they didn't get into New York till like 4am and we started asking why the next day. And it turns out that Dom needed to take a urine test for for the for the drug tests that go on an MLB and he just couldn't supply <laughs> so he, had to, he had to drink like I forget if it was water if he was drinking he was trying anything I think orange juice and um I just I was dying at that story I was like this needs this needs Poor to be dumb. yeah Hashtag relatable <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And the whole team was like, kind of like, damn, like, come on, like, just drink already. Just get, get it out. Like, we want to go back to New York. (laughs) Poor guys, like just trying to go. So um, I thought that was like, and my first year, like classic meds. So those are definitely from, from one serious end to to a more funny end. How was it covering them last year with, you know, everything that was going on, like with Zoom and, and all of that, how, like, how did everybody oh, yeah. adapt? Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it's still very much like that. I think being at spring training now is great. And that's, that's already better than last year, but in many ways it's exactly the same because we're, we're still not allowed in the clubhouse. Um, it's very sterile. I mean, even if, you know, I want, like one of the, one of the people that I always enjoyed talking to in a very, you know, off the record sense of just, Oh, what are you doing today? It's an off day was Luis Rojas. And we would just catch up during spring training, actually just on the field, whenever I passed him and he's just so easy to talk to. And now it's like, we're so far away. Like I'm, I'm on the concourse. So like the most we can do is like a very far wave. And even then, like, I'm not sure if he's waving at me or, or what's going on. So um, it hasn't been great in the sense that like, it's just very sterile. And the, the line of, you know, media reporter to player is way more apparent than just, you know, person to person, human to human. Um, so hopefully things can change this year as, as fans start to get into stadiums, they should at least revisit our regulations too. Um, and I think it would really benefit the Mets this year with just how many personalities they have on the team. And speaking of, um, you know, since you are in spring training, I don't know if like binoculars or something, um, what do you <laughs> expect out of this team? Like what storylines have developed or, you know, like you said, they have a lot of fun players. Like, do you think Lindor has like made a difference? I know it's still early, but like, just what have been your observations so far in spring? Yeah, I think um, there, I think there's been a lot that's been made about their camaraderie. And I think 
for good reason that they're they're really a close-knit group and are always having fun Lindor has been a leader since day one from what I've seen at least and like you said it has been early so um, I'm in the in the group that at least would they would need to face some kind of adversity to you know, really show their true colors and show if they're as good as they they look on paper. But in terms of just storylines, I think things to watch out for is definitely Diaz. If he can stay as tremendous as he looks right now, I think that would be a huge help um, for a bullpen that some would say is kind of shaky. Um, and personally, I, I'm rooting for for Batances to do well, and he has his moments, I think, especially in spring, but from if he's healthy, from what I've heard about him, at least with the Yankees is that he only gets better. Um, so I think one of the things, you know, you don't have to worry about his lineup, but if you have to worry about anything, it should be the bullpen. So pegging for those two guys to, to be huge. And then things should hopefully fall into, fall into place for them. Is DeGrom is- look as good in person as he does on TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Woo! no, he's, he's scary. <laughs> he's scary to watch. I mean, that other night, like when he was touching 101, and oh. I know MLB said one, Scout said 102. It was, I literally had goosebumps watching those first three innings. And like, that doesn't happen often, especially because I just watch baseball every day. But with DeGrom pitching, it's just like insane. I mean, yeah, I feel grateful to be to have this job every time he pitches, <laughs> as as crazy as that is. Yeah. Every time you think he can't find another gear, he finds another gear. It's insane. Right. What right. if he just gets better forever? I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, if it never stops, it's been you know seven years with roughly. I mean, there was a couple of blips here and there where he had like a like a three point four ERA. Oh, I know, <laughs> but like. almost consistently like better and better every year like what if he doesn't stop we don't know if he's gonna stop there's no precedent for jacob (laughs) degrom he could be like like the tom brady of baseball yeah Yeah, for real it's like that scene in uh that scene in mean girls the limit does not exist (laughs) the limit does not exist that would be pretty incredible um Disha, what is your sense on speaking of Lindor? So I thought of this because uh, Linda brought up Lindor. What is your sense on because we're all obviously on the edge of our seats with uh, negotiations having started, but not having heard anything about it since they just said they've started negotiating. So like, what is your if you had to put like a percent likelihood, and I know that this would just be based on like your own personal opinion and not based on like, you know, any like inside info, we're not going to make you divulge that. But um <laughs> Unless you but want like, to divulge it. <laughs> unless you want to. Um, but like, if you just had to like put a percent likelihood on him extending with the Mets, what do you think it would be at this stage? Um, I guess I would say 75 to 80 range percent likelihood. Um, just because at this point, I would be super surprised if they weren't able to agree on something. You know, I think it would take a huge disagreement between the two sides for, for something not to happen if discussions have already started and they have um there's your insider info <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i think i think it it might take a little bit um just because they're not you know super 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 in a rush in this moment in time but um the the fact that they've started and they you know seem to be on the same page with each other um should be hopeful um for Mets fans 
Yeah, no news is good news, right? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I feel like if they were if they were far apart, we'd start hearing some leaks. I'm guessing from his agent or otherwise. You yeah, know? yeah. And, <laughs> but yeah, Amazing Avenue Slack got my hopes up too much because we were talking and they were like, "Ooh, today's the off day. Wouldn't today be the perfect day to announce it?" And then once again, another day goes by, and I'm like, "You guys got my hopes up again. Come on." <laughs> like, what if they had planned for today to be the day, to- but then they all overslept from daylight saving? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Omar said they went out to dinner, I guess, on SNY. Oh, oh, I missed that. Okay. Did anyone get the salmon? <laughs> the magic salmon. That's the thing, because I know last year a, a whole bunch was made, or maybe two years ago, about the Yankees giving Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole um, this expensive bottle of wine that eventually won him over. Um, so it'd be funny if the Mets are doing something like that right now for Lindor. It's like, what do you need? We'll give it to you. Got to get some of that Tom Seaver wine from uh, Taiwan Walker yes, over right. to Francisco <laughs> Lindor. <laughs> well, the whole signed because of the sandwich, was it May? Um, oh, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. it was... Yeah, Trevor May. He went, I think he had already signed and he was just doing a physical, like the, it was, the deal was already out and he, he came to Queens and then did the physical and then got the sandwich and he was like, yeah, I belong here. But they're not in Queens. We can't get Lindor a sandwich. What do you get him in Florida? <laughs> not There's a sandwich. Nothing for him in Port St. Lucie. Yeah, that's for sure. Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I have to ask this. Um, you tweeted a video about them celebrating the 27 consecutive outs, and it ended up getting a go blowing up. It went super viral. Did you expect that? And, you, you know, you said, you know, how fun this team is, and I think that kind of just played into it. So, but did you expect that when you hit tweet? I definitely did not expect that, no. <laughs> I knew I knew Mets Twitter would have fun with that and, and you know, would go – appropriately viral kind of within the the contents of of Mets Twitter but um I think it ended up being it it goes to show kind of how crazy the last year has been that people ate that up because I think it's just been so slow on the sports front that you know wow like teammates are actually touching each other and like not in a weird way but like you know jumping up and down and like that's the thing about it it was just like one really quick moment of wow things are normal and the the Mets are in some people's eyes you know just being the Mets and others like well they're just having fun if you actually knew you know what they were doing so no definitely did not expect it to go that viral at the same time I I I really try not to pay attention to that stuff because it's like once it's out there it's out there (laughs) so it I think it like you said I think it goes to show how fun they are they're having as a team um that they were even up for that but i know just from looking at it that the drill was it looked super exhausting they were at it it was hot that day for a while they were like okay two more outs like then they kept going and like you know it was i think the celebration was warranted the fact that i was able to get it on video even better who was involved i need to know who was involved was jd involved because everybody knows i love jd (laughs) jd was involved yes yes yeah, he was there, Lindor, uh, Pete was in it, McNeil was in it, uh, Conforto was the one that made the the fake final out catch, he like leaped over, pretend, well he did leap, but he, as he leapt, pretended to catch the wall, the ball over the wall, and then that was like the moment that everyone was like, yes, it's caught, like, we won, and I, I think it was funny, it goes, like, goes to show every single 
player on that field bought into the celebration and like sprinted to the dirt. So, you know, it's not, we were talking about how if this was like last year and Cespedes was in spring training, like he definitely would have dipped. We would just been like, all right, peace. I'm not running in there, you know, or something, but it just goes <laughs> to show that this, this whole team is like totally all in, at least at the moment. And what coach was it? Because he said, like, get ready to celebrate. So it seemed like it was something they were planning. Yeah, no, I don't know if that, I, that that's – is one of my questions, but it was Tony Tarasco. Okay. Um, and that's the other thing about these Zooms is that it's it's obviously not as easy to get everyone quickly. But um, he did say celebrate at the end of um, the drill, and it looked like that was definitely not something that was planned. Um, but also people are credit, crediting Rojas for it because he just – wanted to make sure that as tough as the drill was, that it was also fun. So um, trying to get to the bottom of exactly who whose idea it was to celebrate like that. <laughs> so once I find out, hopefully it will be a story soon. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need follow-up on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the the team chemistry that you sort of witnessed, like with with that, and you said like that they're they're all in. Like, is this team like as as fun to cover as they are to root for? And is it like really genuine, like the the like team chemistry that we're seeing with this team that compared to teams past? It just feels like a really special group on the fan side. And I'm just wondering if covering them, you you see the same thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I for sure see it from from what I can see. I think this is it really, it really sucks for fans that that reporters are not allowed in the clubhouse this year because almost, you know, all of the regulars are personalities and they actually want to talk to reporters too. Like Lindor is always, you know, very open and willing to, to talk to us. So um, that's why I keep saying, hopefully, you know, at some point, even if, you know, if the Mets get hot during the regular season, that can be helpful. But um, as much as I can see from the field and like I post in videos and stuff is basically as much of the, the camaraderie and stuff I get to see too, because we're just so restricted this year. But um, from what I've seen and how they talk about each other and with each other, it's just super relaxed and carefree. And I think that goes a lot into them just taking it very much like, okay, this is a game and we're here to have fun. And then we're also talented. So we're just going to make it happen. Um, and at the same time, they, they care. I think every, every, you know, guy on that team that cares about, cares about winning to an, to an extent that's like super competitive, not as much as the ground, but, but close. Um, so I think that that helps in that when you have those two things that are kind of an equal balance um, and fun and competitiveness can go a long way. So um, now all they have to do is keep it together <laughs> in the regular season. Yeah. Were you there many Giorme at that? Oh, the Giorme at that. Yeah. That was funny. It was crazy. Cause all, basically by every, every pitch that he fouled off after like, I, I remember looking at like pitch 12 or 13 and that's when everyone was starting to get loud and it was like okay well if this you know if this goes to 15 it's it's fun but it might be a tweet but it's not going to be anything else and then he just keeps going and it it was insane like I'm seeing him dial Jordan Hicks dial it up to 100 and Guillermo is just fouling it off falling it off and then the crowd was going crazy people were banging against the wall and it's that was the loudest you could probably get for how many fans are in there I think it's like 1400 fans or something um, not even, yeah. So, so it's, it's like 20, 20% capacity. So it got loud. It was crazy. And I think that's, that's going to be the highlight of spring training. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone who looks really like maybe not the usual suspects, but who looks really locked in right now to you, who, who 
you know, you might not expect would be having a really strong spring, but is. Hmm. I mean, when locked in, definitely Pete comes to mind, but he's, like you said, a usual suspect. Um, I would, I've, I keep saying this, but I really think that, and who knows, I could be totally wrong, but I really think that JD is going to have more of a 2019 season where he broke out and people are kind of doubting him and now wanting Guillaume at third. Um, and I think to to some degree, I don't know how much of that he takes in, but um, that might be driving him even more, you know, to do well. So I don't know if that counts as not being a usual suspect because he is still a big name and a starter. But um, we'll allow I, is losing <laughs> her mind right now. No, I'm gonna say I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. Big JD fan. <laughs> You just made Linda's night, Deisha. She's the resident J.D. <laughs> Davis stan uh, among all of us. Good to know. I just Good argued for him today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy that, you know, fans do still have to argue for him because I think he's almost shown enough besides last year was obviously bad for, for everyone in baseball. So I think that has to be excused on many levels. But but yeah, I think I think he could have a big year. And I think with like uh, people are obviously concerned about his defense, but I think I've made this point a few times. I think with Lindor at short and his range, it makes J.D. Davis's defense far less of a concern because the range is the big thing with him. It's not the throwing arm. It's not the things it's not the things hit right at him. It's, you know, it's his range. And Lindor has the best range of like any shortstop in baseball. So hopefully Mm -hmm. he can cover for what J.D lacks yeah i think katie to his his footwork definitely is one of those things that at least anytime he picks up grounders is something i look at to see if he he always has this kind of stutter step where if he thinks he has time then he takes you know two or three steps and by that third step it's like just throw it man (laughs) like (laughs) um so i think you know if he if he improves on his footwork he has a really big power arm but um i think you're right with lindor you know steps away from him shouting things at him and yelling things in his ear which is already what lindor has been doing constantly like in the infield if he's doing any drills it's like he's just always talking and giving advice. And I think that really helps with guys like JD and McNeil, who are both going to be on either end of him just to have that little source of direction and attention and and not get too bogged down in a bad play and things like that. You know, Lindor already said that he's seen JD improve. So I'm just going to trust Lindor on that. And take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there was an article by Puma. It might've been Puma. It just came out that said JD was playing too far back. I think last year and that they're trying to fix that too, that like his positioning was just all wrong last year. Yeah. That, that could be something too, that goes into it for sure. So I'm I'm totally calling a big JD here. (laughs) Heck yeah, Linda. Um, Lindor also has said um, something interesting about um, about defensive shifting um, recently. He said that like basically he has no problem with the move that baseball is potentially making to limit shifting, testing it out in the minors first um, because you know he wants to just he wants to work on his craft. He wants to just do his thing, you know, rather than I think he sees defensive shifting as a little bit gimmicky almost. Um, he made it seem like, um, mm-hmm. and so. Disha, what are your thoughts on baseball's like continued attempt to like test things in the minor leagues and like these tweaks that they're making to the game? Yeah, I mean, I think the with the tweaks to the minor leagues, it's that that whole thing is kind of what I, I tend to agree with. It's a good place to try it out because if they're just going to 
bring it to the major leagues anyway, then we might as well see how it works first. Um, but in regard to the shift and Lindor, I, I think he, you know, definitely grew up playing a certain way. And I, if I was Lindor, it would bother me too. If, you know, you just want to play the game and you want to call your own shots, but increasingly MLB is going in the other direction with that. And, um, you know, these guys can't really make their own decisions as much anymore. Like I, I always use this example, but with the Yankees are, they do this the most of they'll, they'll highlight pitch sequences before even, you know, going into the game. So they already have their game plan up and the capture isn't at all calling the game. So um, then they'll, they'll also have, you know, the Mets do this too, but like cards in their pockets and hats and for positioning. And I think it's almost like, you know, it's the Pandora's out of the box and it's, it's like for shifts, I think might be too late. That might not be the fight that Lindor wants, but I can see why, why it would annoy him, why he wouldn't want to play that way. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I I think the the stepping off and all the Bach things uh, changes are going to cause the pitchers some some problems. Yeah. Um, but uh, we are going to close out the show this week, like we do every week, with walk off wins, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. So, Disha Thosar, what is your walk off win? My walk-off win this week is I finally have a visitor. I finally have some company coming tomorrow, actually. My boyfriend is visiting for the week in Port St. Lucie. I think he's the only person I know that actually likes this town. Um, (laughs) He just looks forward to it every year. I'm like, yeah, go crazy, go to the museum, do it, do whatever you have to do. But, but it will be nice to actually have, you know, uh, someone that I know that isn't like Tim Healy, Anthony DeComo, or you know, Justin Toscano seeing every day. So, <laughs> looking <laughs> looking forward to that. That's awesome. Very exciting to you have found someone. someone who likes Port St. Lucie. I am amazed. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, I've been going back and forth on this one, but I think I have to land on um, the new trailer for the In the Heights movie dropped yesterday. Yes. <laughs> I love In the Heights. I live in the Heights. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I mean, I'm going to say something super controversial, which is I think it's actually like a better it's a better show than Hamilton. I think the music in Hamilton just got to another level that Lin-Manuel Miranda wasn't quite there when he was doing In the Heights, but it is the best show. It has so much heart and it is like this really extremely accurate portrayal of this neighborhood that I love. (laughs) And um, I've had the original cast album on repeat for the last like two days straight. My kids are tired of it, which just wait until the movie comes out, y'all. Um, but they, I mean, they're going to love it too, because they get really excited about that kind of thing. And like, there's a shot of the one train and Thomas loves trains. And like, you know, my daughter, her favorite music has always been reggaeton. And it just, um, I don't know, it just, I'm so excited for it. It was supposed to come out last year. And among the many things that were terrible about last year, In the Heights getting bumped for a full 12 months was up there. Um, so I'm just, I'm super excited. Still have three months to go. So, um, get ready for another walk-off win in June. Um, but yeah, so check out the new trailer. We will link it. It is, it is really fun. It's going to be a really great movie. 
So is it like the original cast or is it just like... No, no. I mean, they're all like, everyone's too old now. Because well, they did so, that with yeah. Ren, so I'm like... Yeah. No, he was, I mean, because Lin himself uh, played kind of the main character, Usnavi, in the original show. And then, um, but now he plays like the 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 old guy selling ice cream. <laughs> like it's, um, <laughs> everybody's too old. <laughs> so uh, yeah, because it was, it's, I mean, God, the show must've been like 12 years old by now. Um, but yeah, so it's, but there a lot of the same, like some, a lot, there's, he's not the only person who's reprising a role in some way. Um, and like a lot of the other people involved also, you know, were in Hamilton at one point or another. And yeah, it's a, it's Anthony Ramos is the guy you want to watch. He's amazing. Um, and yeah, it's a great cast. I'm, I'm so excited. Maggie, I share your excitement. I'm a huge Broadway nerd and I love In the Heights. I've never seen the state show, but I have, I, I know the music. And so I'm very excited for the movie. Excellent. I cannot wait. Um, Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, mine kind of ties into like what we were talking about, um, about how the Mets always seem to go viral in spring training for like most pure reasons and answerable. Um, Like first, like, First, it was you or May catching the bat, like just nonchalant, like whatever. Um, then it was them mic'd up last year and just being like goofballs on the field and just letting their personality shine. And then this year, it was the 27 out celebration. It was you or May's a bat again. Um, so it's just, you know, it's nice knowing that we just have a fun group of guys that understand it's a game and, you know, obviously they're professionals, but it is a game and it just makes them so easy to root for. And, you know, even Taiwan Walker, when he said, when he got the necklace, he said, I'm going to wear it because the fans want me to. And so even that. Like they have, it seems like they have this, such a connection with the fans and they care. And that's, you know, after, like we said, it was a whirlwind off season after a bad season last year. It's just fun. And to, to have hope again and to, you know, get have excitement around this team that's been lacking for a long time. So that's my walk up one. It's just the excitement around the team and the fun around the team. Two years in a row of Dom Smith being like utterly silly, yes. being mic'd up is is awesome. Like I remember last year, obviously he had his his snafu where he couldn't hear anybody, and so he's just like, "What's going on? Can't hear you guys." And that was hilarious. And then this year it, during the ESPN broadcast, he like was trying to prop the iPad up on a glove, and it just like kept falling down. And he oh, also is that just, the like, Mets kept- profile picture. I think it might be. I can't, I don't know. Um, but I just know that it was, it was funny. And I was like, this is, uh, I was like, if this ESPN broadcast is going to be this annoying, at least this happened during it. <laughs> in the baseball world, falling in love with Dom, like knowing the Dom we know, like that's also been special. Like everybody should like know Dom and love Dom the way we do. I agree. Um, so my walk-off win for this week is um, that on Friday, um, Michael and I went out for beers, and it was the first time I had eaten or drank outdoors since October. Wow. <laughs> so I was just very excited to, like, leave the apartment for uh, for something that wasn't, like, grocery shopping or just, like, picking up food for curbside pickup. I was like, wow, like, the little things that are, like, really exciting life events now is just, like, going to get beers. I was very <laughs> excited. Um, so that's, like, that's one part of my walk-off win, and I have another, like, I have two this week. My mom 
mom got her first vaccine shot today. So I'm very happy about that. Um, So that was really great news. Um, We had been stressing out about getting her an appointment um, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And she said she was looking at the websites every day. And I was like, Mom, you got to refresh them like every hour, I'm telling you. Um, And so she finally got her appointment. So she got her first vaccine today. She's doing good. She's recovering. She says she has no side effects so far. So I'm very excited. My like my uh, now like all of my like at risk relatives are at least partially, if not wholly vaccinated so that's good um still waiting on my dad my dad went with her like he drove her to the appointment to kind of be like I wonder if there are any shots that they're gonna throw out because I've heard these stories of people that get it and they didn't even let him in the building they were like get lost pal (laughs) we know what you're here for (laughs) get lost buddy (laughs) because my dad's not eligible yet but my mom is so um yeah so that's just very exciting just seeing more and more vaccine allocation yay science yay vaccines very exciting um so yeah that does it for the show this week thank you so much disha for coming on we really appreciate it um tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet and where they can find your writing yeah of course and thanks for having me on um they can find me on twitter at disha thosar or instagram at disha and of course new york daily news um slash sports slash baseball slash mets <laughs> <laughs> fantastic thank you disha you can follow this show on twitter at a pod of their own you can also follow amazing avenue our wonderful parent site on all of social media facebook twitter and instagram at amazing avenue you can follow each of us on twitter i am at petite phd where are you linda at linda service and you maggie oh, at maggie 162 <laughs> i was like maggie dropped off no she oh. didn't she said oh. um and that's so- yes Maggie's at Maggie162. Maggie <laughs> <laughs> you can follow each of us on Twitter. Follow Disha on Twitter and read her writing over at the New York Daily News. Please rate and review the podcast and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app of choice. It really helps other people find it. The original intro and outro music to the show is by Bunga. Let's go Mets and don't forget there is no crying in the